Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hello, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor-McNeese. I'm all by myself today, no guest, because I had a special request for a podcast episode where we would talk about a specific topic. And I wanted to make sure everybody knew that this is something that's available to you with the Soul Grit Podcast. You can email me at info at Resources or DM me on Instagram at Resources and Just let me know what you're wondering about. What's a question that you have about counseling, therapy, psychology, anything about how that relates to your faith? And I'd be happy to create an episode just for you. I won't embarrass you or mention your name. I'll just use you as an opportunity to share with people a question that I'm sure you're not the only person that has that question. So I'd be happy to answer those. Um, this question today came from a listener who DM'd me on Instagram and she said, Anne, I would like you to do an episode about intrusive thoughts and I'm struggling with these and could you just help me understand what they are and what to do about them? I'd actually been putting this off for a while because I thought, oh man, it's a lot of fun to do a guest episode where I get to talk to somebody, pick their brains It's a lot more work when I do an individual episode and I have to do the research for it. I feel like with my personality, I'm able to kind of wing it in in a session. I don't want that to sound like I'm unprepared. But when I'm with another person, as they're talking, my mind is working to draw out information that I already know or resources where we can look for the information that we need. When I'm all by myself, sometimes it it seems like just a, a blank page. So I've been putting this off for a while, but I did take my kids to school yesterday. And we have a, a six-year-old, eight-year-old, and 11-year-old. So one was starting middle school. That's a whole new ball game. And the little one is starting first grade. First grade is the time when kids get to go to school all day long here in Southern California. So... I have been waiting for this day for many years when all the kids would be at school for full days over the last year and a half. Of course, all of our our plans kind of shifted when the kids were at home and some of the things that I wanted to do kind of got put on the back burner. But I'm feeling this sense of freedom as the kids are back in school and I have more time to focus on some of the projects that I really want to put out into the world. So... Now that they're there, I'm working on um, some of these solo episodes where I have to do a little bit more work. And for today, we're going to talk about intrusive thoughts. What are intrusive thoughts? I like to think about, you know, in the name intrusive thoughts, we have that word that reminds us of intruders. And 
Intrusive thoughts are just like that. Now, if you had an intruder in your home, some of the emotions that you might experience would be uh, fear. You might feel violated. You might feel frantic to get them out. And those are the same feelings that you might have when you have intrusive thoughts. They are automatic thoughts that come into your awareness at unexpected times. So most of our thoughts just come and go and we don't really even notice that we're having these thoughts. But intrusive thoughts actually intrude. Like they make their presence known and they stay long enough for you to notice them and then you become bothered by them. Now, if I had intrusive thoughts that were about, let's see, just like how wonderful my husband is or how much God has blessed me or things like that, those probably wouldn't bother me. And that's the other hallmark of an intrusive thought is that they usually fall into just a few categories. I mean, they can they can be about anything, but the ones that usually bother us revolve around certain themes. The themes are typically violence, fear, maybe breaking some of your religious rules, or sexual fantasies. And so most of these are not something that we want to be thinking about uh, on a regular basis, and yet we don't seem to be able to control when they come and go. Once they come, they they bother us because think about um, the first category, violence. Well, nobody wants to think about doing a violent act or having a violent act committed against you or a loved one. But sometimes those images flash through our heads when we're not wanting them to be there. Same with sexual fantasies. Um, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people who spend a lot of time working on sexual fantasies and, and, and entertaining themselves that way. But when they're at inappropriate moments and they are maybe against your values, your sexual values, then those become really bothersome and we don't want. We become alarmed that our mind could go that way when in the, the rest of our lives we feel like good moral beings. So a few things to know about intrusive thoughts is that everybody has them. Um, you might have a different brand than I do, but everybody has them sometimes. You might be thinking about something else totally, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, where did that image come from? Or where did that thought come from? And most of the time, it's brief enough or rare enough that it doesn't bother you too much, but sometimes they become more frequent or they last longer and you can't get them out of your head and that's when it becomes a problem. But one thing for you to know is thoughts are just thoughts. They are not reality. We have the ability to examine our thoughts and then we get to keep them or toss them. And this is called metacognition. So cognition is your, your thinking. Metacognition is thinking about your thinking. So I would ask you, when's the last time you thought about your thinking? Are you looking at your thoughts and evaluating whether they are negative or positive? Are they helpful or unhelpful? Are they honoring to God or are they worldly? Those are some of the things that we might ask ourselves about our thoughts. So if they're just thoughts, they're not reality, and you can evaluate them, you also need to know that if you don't have the urge to act on them, they're not dangerous. 
So let me just put the caveat here. If you do have the urge to act on them, then you need to make sure that you talk to a therapist or a trusted friend or even a hotline if you feel like you or someone else might be in danger. So especially uh, those things that have to do with violence, um, those we definitely want to check out uh, with somebody who might you know, be able to help make sure you're safe. Um, if it's, for example, a sexual thought that keeps coming, that's another opportunity for you to talk to a therapist or a friend that can just help you direct your thoughts in a more helpful way and to understand if there's some sense of feeling condemned around that or feeling guilty about that. And they can help you sort that out. I wanted to talk a little bit about who might be more likely to get intrusive thoughts. First of all, they're more prevalent in people with certain disorders such as OCD, PTSD, and eating disorders. So let's talk a little bit about each of those. So OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. It's one of my pet peeves that people use the term OCD in kind of a, like a slang or pop culture way when they will say, oh, I have to have my house tidy. I'm so OCD about that. Or, um, oh, I don't like shaking people's hands. I It's just the OCD in me. Those, we use it in, in that kind of colloquial way, but I feel like it really is difficult for somebody who has OCD or loves someone with OCD to hear other people talk about it that way because it is very serious and it can be very debilitating depending on the level. That's not to say that I don't enjoy watching the show Monk. I like the way that they portrayed that, but you can see even from the portrayal in entertainment like that, it's a very debilitating disorder and it's not really something to be taken lightly. Okay, so what happens with people with OCD is there's the obsessive part and then there's the compulsive part. A basic way to understand what that means is the obsessive part is about your thoughts and the compulsive part is about your actions. So because you have an obsessive thought, you do a compulsive action. So for example, if the obsessive thought is, I didn't lock the door, I didn't lock the door. That repeats over and over in your mind until you go back and you have like a lock checking compulsion. That's the behavior that you do. You go back and check the locks five times so that you know you can calm down that thought of I didn't check the lock. And that's usually related to some kind of a fear of what would happen if the door was left unlocked overnight or, or while you were out. This is just really brief explanation of OCD, but you can see how if somebody's brain works that way, they might have more of a tendency to have these intrusive thoughts where, you know, I didn't want to think about the germs that might be on my hands, or I didn't want to think about how organized this part of my life is, or I didn't want to think about whether I turned off that electric device but that keeps popping into my head and I don't have control over it. So that's one case when intrusive thoughts might be coming up. Another type of disorder that 
tends to have intrusive thoughts is PTSD. You probably know that stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's what happens after there's been a major trauma. What happens in the brain, one of the characteristics of PTSD is that um, there can be like flashbacks or recurring images of the trauma uh, or some minor detail of the trauma. And so we see intrusive thoughts happen with people with PTSD because, well, it's a feature of the disorder that those things, until they've had some help to work through the trauma and kind of file those memories away in the right places, those keep popping up at the wrong moments. And so um, like the word trigger is another one of those pop culture words that was borrowed from psychology. But really, when you have PTSD, any little thing, a noise, a smell, a sound, something that you see or feel can trigger that response, the trauma response. And that's when sometimes intrusive thoughts come because of the because of the trauma or because of the image that flashes through your brain. That's just another one of those disorders that is more likely to have intrusive thoughts. And then we also have eating disorders. And whether you have bulimia, anorexia, binge eating, or an unspecified eating disorder, you are already having thoughts that are directed in in one area, which tends to be about... Um, self and food and body image and perfection and reducing anxiety through behaviors. And in some of these ways, it's not that different from OCD. Because you are having those kinds of thoughts, it's very easy for somebody with an eating disorder to have an intrusive thought about, say, the calories that they ate or the binge that they're planning later, or even to to try to be doing just your normal stuff, doing your work, having relationships, all of that. And then that like images of, of food might just continue to come up in your brain until you can't avoid doing the binge or doing the purge or doing the whatever behavior is associated with it. That's just another one of those disorders where intrusive thoughts are a really prevalent characteristic. Okay. If you don't have OCD, PTSD, or an eating disorder, you can still have intrusive thoughts. And I don't want anybody to think that they might have one of these disorders just because they have intrusive thoughts. That's not my intention here. Of course, any time we want to diagnose someone, we have to look at the full spectrum of their functioning in the world, their impairment, and their um, cluster of symptoms. So, Even if you have intrusive thoughts, you would have to have some of the other symptoms for that to actually be a a diagnosis for you. So with that said, we should talk about what should you do with intrusive thoughts now that you know what they are. This is the part where I had to do a little bit more research because I know what I would do if I were in the session with you, but I wanted to be able to talk to you in this format about it. So some of the things I was reading, there were, there were some similar themes and patterns. So almost across the board, everyone said, first, you got to notice them. And I'm thinking like intrusive thoughts are kind of hard to not notice. But when, let's say when a counselor tells you notice your thoughts, they're not saying, oh, you haven't been noticing them all this time. They're saying, 
Notice them with curiosity and compassion. Notice them that they just are without, kind, without any kind of condemnation of yourself or judgment or guilt or shame on yourself because you've had this thought. So if I have a thought of, um, let's say, wanting to hurt somebody in my household, I'm trying not to be very specific with my example because it could be triggering for some people. But let's say I have a, a thought that I just want to hurt this person. I can notice that and be like, wow, that was weird. Where did that come from? Or, hmm, that's not a thought that I'm accustomed to having. And I can just make a, an observation about it without uh, catastrophizing it and saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I had that. What if I actually did that? I need to be work really hard to make sure I never hurt anyone in my family. So that's what I mean by noticing it is just to, to observe it as if you were a scientist and your thoughts are just um, an experiment that you're doing. You're just, you're writing down your observations. The other aspect of that is that we're not trying to suppress them. Because we all know that the more time that we spend trying to suppress something or to not give into something, the stronger that thing becomes in our awareness. So if you have a thought like that, just let it be and then see if it passes. If it doesn't pass, then we'll, we'll talk about some other strategies for that. But trying not to have it is not a helpful strategy. And I want you to remember that it's not a sign of weak character or immorality if you have these kinds of thoughts. These pop up in your brain. There could be a lot of different reasons why these happen. Could be part of your biology or part of your brain trying to protect itself, but it's, um, it's not a sign of your character or your morality if you're having these thoughts. You should also notice if anything is triggering you. For example, many people can't watch violent TV shows without having some of these images pop up occasionally in their minds. And it's the same with sexual content that we see. If you're watching shows or video games or movies, podcasts even, that have a lot of content around violence or sexuality, it's more likely that those types of thoughts will pop up in your brain than if you were completely free from that kind of exposure. I know we can't always completely limit ourselves because the news itself is violent and and sometimes disgusting. So we um, we can't completely cut that off, but we can be protective of our brains in having some limits on what we do choose to put in there. Another thing I'd like to say is that sometimes meds can help. So if you had one of those disorders that I mentioned above, a lot of times those um, co-occur with depression or anxiety and other forms. And a doctor might prescribe for OCD, for PTSD, or for eating disorders. A doctor might prescribe antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications to help your brain process the, the thoughts and feelings in the way that it's supposed to. So usually those types of medications are going to work with your neurotransmitters, your 
serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, all, all of those little chemicals that are uh, sending messages in your brain. And sometimes when we see a lot of intrusive thoughts happening, it could be because some of those messages are getting stuck, not going the, the places that they're supposed to go. So medication can help with that. But you should also consider therapy. I know I'm going to probably say this every episode. You should consider therapy. It can be helpful. You can talk it out with another person who can reassure you that you're not crazy. You can also learn skills like cognitive behavior therapy, where you practice bringing awareness to your thoughts and exchanging them for better thoughts. This is probably, in all the research that I did, this is probably the gold standard of of working with intrusive thoughts is cognitive behavior therapy because it teaches you, you look at your thoughts. Some people don't even know how to identify the thoughts that they're having. So a therapist can teach you how to do that. And then you will look at what might be wrong with your thought. We call those cognitive distortions where it's a thinking error. Uh, And then after you've seen that, you can also um, look at what emotions are stemming from that thought and then what behaviors. Then once you get through that process, you can go back and choose better thoughts for yourself. Now, this is this is probably a whole other episode, so I'm not going to go into the into the depths of teaching CBT, but this is the way that we can exchange intrusive thoughts for more helpful thoughts if it becomes a bigger issue. The other thing that you need to know is practice self-care. That means caring for your whole self, your mind, body, your spirit, your relationships. Sometimes implementing a gentle exercise routine or talking with a friend or spending time with God or even cleaning up your eating habits can help, especially if you notice triggers. Changing something in your routine can help. For example, if I get intrusive thoughts about someone in my family dying, it can motivate me to take care of my own health and their health and to spend quality time with them. So you can see how sometimes uh, an intrusive thought will motivate a change in behavior. In fact, that's one of the things that came up in the research that I was doing about intrusive thoughts. We don't really understand why they happen, but one of the thoughts that scientists and psychologists have about why we get intrusive thoughts is because it's part of our brain's protective mechanism. If you're able to think through all the possible scenarios of danger and um, bad things that might happen, your brain is doing some work to prepare you to avoid injury, Uh, death or any sort of bad things that might happen to you. So it's one of those biological impulses that our body has towards protection and it just gets in the way sometimes. When animals are threatened, they have the opportunity to uh, act on the threat right away. They don't end up thinking about it and processing it over a long period of time. Humans are different in the way that our brains work, that we have uh, thoughts that we can actually evaluate. And so when those intrusive thoughts come, let's say you were a gazelle and you were running away from a lion and you had uh, this image of danger, you would just run away. When you're a person and this image of danger comes into your mind, It may be there to protect you from something and to help you adjust your behavior so that you're safe. 
But the problem is we have the ability to dwell on it, unlike our animal counterparts. But it wouldn't be the Soul Grit podcast if I didn't talk about how your faith can help, too. So I was trying to think through some examples in the Bible of people who may have had intrusive thoughts. And the first person to come to mind was King Saul, since he always had like paranoid and violent thoughts about David. However, since the Bible says that God sent a spirit to disturb Saul, I don't think it's a great example. Most of us are not disturbed by evil spirits, and we should not attribute our automatic thoughts to spiritual warfare. I do eventually want to talk to you about spiritual warfare and how that impacts your thoughts, your behavior, even your mental health in general. But I'm going to wait and ask a special guest to come on and talk a little bit more about those things. For the purposes of today's show, we are going to assume that intrusive thoughts are not part of that uh, spiritual battle while still acknowledging that probably a lot of times when some of those dark or even evil feeling thoughts pop into your brain, that they could be there as part of Satan's attack on your mental health or on your ability to function uh, on purpose, on mission in the world. I'm I'm not negating that. I just want to come back to that later so that we can continue to focus on intrusive thoughts as a mental health phenomenon. We probably know the most about the inner life of David since he wrote so many of the Psalms. It's clear that David often had thoughts of fear, depression, and despair. If we follow David's example in dealing with intrusive thoughts, we can see a pattern. First, David acknowledges the thought by speaking it out loud or writing it down. He allows himself to feel the feeling associated with the thought. For example, if David says, my enemies surround me, which is a thought, he reveals his feelings, which would be fear or despair. David follows up by checking his thoughts and feelings against what he knows about the character of God and his track record of faithfulness. He ultimately lands on new thoughts that affirm God's protection and care for him. We also know that David used other resources available to him, such as worship of God or solitude or time with friends to help him order his thoughts. If you are experiencing intrusive thoughts, guess what? You have access to the same power that David used to overcome his most difficult thoughts. The steps we talked about earlier still apply. First, notice your thoughts. You can say them out loud to God or to a trusted friend or counselor. You can write them down in a journal. Remind yourself that they are not a sign of your lack of character or morality. Acknowledge the feelings that would come along with them if you believe the thoughts. But more importantly, reaffirm that God is faithful to protect you, provide for you, and stay near you. Try to think of a new thought that follows the pattern of Philippians 4.8. Now, Philippians 4.8 is the verse that says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, think on these things. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but go ahead and look up Philippians 4.8 and write that out and then compare your intrusive thought with those qualities of the types of thoughts that God wants you to have. Follow any work that you do on your thoughts with worship of God. 
here are some ideas of how you can worship if you're not in a place where you can turn on the Bethel or the Hillsong. Look out the window and find something to thank God for in creation. Send a note to a friend and thank God for them. Move your body and worship God through movement or find a way to serve someone. You will never hear me tell you not to listen to Jesus, but in this specific instance, I want you to be very careful with your interpretation of his words. I want you to separate from any fear or shame you feel when you hear the verse, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. The intention of Jesus' words was not to condemn you every time you have an intrusive thought. Jesus knows when you have thoughts that you don't want to be there and when you have thoughts that you are entertaining and welcoming. Intrusive thoughts are not sinful, but because they can become almost habitual, we need to continue to take them captive, confront them with the truth of the gospel and your freedom. If you would like to learn how to confront your thoughts, there's a way to do it that combines both scientific proof with the truth of scripture. I created a tool called Cognitive Behavior Therapy with Scripture, and it's available for free on my website. When you sign up to receive this free tool, you will also be emailed a link to a video where I teach how to use it. You'll get to meet me and one of my helpful friends as we walk through the technique as if we were in a therapy session. But the beauty of the tool is that you don't have to be with your therapist to use it. You can walk through it on your own. And once you have practiced it on paper a few times, you won't even need to write things down anymore. It will become part of your automatic process of reviewing and improving your thoughts. You can find that at soulgritresources.com and just enter your email when the window pops up with the free download offer. I'd love to continue this conversation and be able to answer your specific questions about intrusive thoughts or CBT or any other topics you'd like a Christian therapist to answer. You can send me an email at info at soulgritresources.com or DM me at soulgritresources. Thanks a lot to the listener who sent in this question and inspired me to create the episode about that. I hope to hear from lots more of you in the future. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.